This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Australian Open preview, Novak Djokovic is in, but deportation decision looms. Ash Barty lands in the same quarter as Naomi Osaka, and Andy Murray makes the semis in Sydney. Kim, today is the 13th of January and we are here to catch up on the Australian Open draws. They are here. We can talk about them. Novak Djokovic is in for now. We'll see how that develops. But how are, how are you How are you doing at the moment? I'm okay, Joel. I'm just waiting on, not tenterhooks, that's a bit dramatic, but I'm just waiting, checking Twitter all the time for any news. I'm waiting for the alert to come up on my phone. I genuinely thought I was going to wake up this morning, look at my phone, and there'd be a BBC breaking news bulletin around what the situation is with Novak Djokovic. I did see a funny thing on Twitter, which was one of those, um, you know, it's the year 2050 and we're still waiting for (laughs) Alex Hawke to make his decision on uh, Novak's visa. Um, It does feel, you know, I I kind of feel, though, with each passing day, it becomes less likely that it's going to be revoked because, you know, he's in the draw. He's been trading. Tournament's going to start on Monday. It's going to be a bit weird if he does suddenly uh, depart because, you know, that draw is going to be sort of lane wide open at the top and uh you know it'd have knock on knock on effects but I feel like it's probably I don't know unlikely although you know there have been um developments with regards to the timeline of events in December surrounding that that positive test result which is uh you know Novak has had to kind of come out with with a statement uh to explain his actions um I mean what, what do you make of of everything that's kind of gone down since since we last spoke yeah, I mean, he's he's owned up to, um, you know, that that pos- you know, have being COVID positive, having that Lakeep interview, uh, whilst knowingly, uh, it seems having a, a positive COVID test, which is obviously not a good look. I mean, it's a good thing in a sense that he is kind of fessed up to it and and admitted actually that was uh you know an error in judgment, um, but it still feels like there's a lot of kind of stories to unravel here you know it sounds like we've got kind of the Serbia now getting involved around his activities there you know he was obviously photographed in Spain and there's kind of talk around there around you know should he have been allowed into the the country um and obviously we've got the ongoing stuff in Australia so it feels like it's not just Novak Djokovic versus Australia it's Novak Djokovic versus Australia it's Novak Djokovic versus Spain 
it's Novak Djokovic versus Serbia. It's just Novak Djokovic versus the world he probably feels like at the moment. And, you know, the, I guess, you know, the most pressing issue is is Australia. Will he be able to play in Melbourne? I think everyone um, is kind of surprised it's got to this point and that we still don't know. I mean, we must, we must I'm assuming, going to be hearing a decision by the end of the, the working week in Australia on Friday from from Alex Hawke. I don't know if he's uh, he wanted to see the, the draw first before making a decision but um yeah we still we still don't know and and if if you don't if nothing has changed you know for Novak Djokovic that means you know just getting on with his business and trying to prepare for a tournament in you know and prepare to win another Grand Slam because that will be the top thing on his agenda and you know if if that statement does come out and it says sorry Novak um you know we're gonna deport you you cannot play it will be interesting to see what his response is because the, the impression we get is that he's going to launch a, an appeal. So again, I don't know if, if time length comes into it. Would would that happen over the weekend? Could he play for a little bit and then the announcement from that appeal comes in? It, there's still so many different ramifications that potentially could play out. Yeah, and I do feel like it, Tennis Australia will be really hoping that there is n- nothing like that where someone's participation in the tournament is in question even after it's begun and you know they probably just want this whole scandal to end but you know it is partly they're doing and um you have to accept these things if you're kind of gonna have somewhat dodgy uh activities and you know it's it's come it's come to light now and he's got to answer for it I mean I still think you know he's he came out and said that he did that PCR test because although he'd done a a rapid you know lateral flow test which was negative and he felt fine because he'd been at a basketball game where a lot of people tested positive he was being extra extra safe to to have the actual PCR test which sort of in my mind if you're being extra safe that that shows that you're quite cautious around COVID in which case you wouldn't go about your business and attend you know various events whilst you're waiting for the result of that test so I feel his um his explanation was very much at odds um with regarding you know those particular characters and behaviors and we also I think come to have known Novak Djokovic as someone who embodies kind of uh you know being an absolute kind of physical specimen you know he we know he's a guy who's very athletic take you know takes care of his body and uh you know he's you know he's had you know he's thinks very much about his wellness and and food and diet and all of those sorts of things and despite that you know as i said he's made these judgments that feel at odds with i feel like his philosophy on on life in terms of you know taking care and and protecting you know, my, you know, my body, you know, if, if he was kind of going through, I think with that philosophy that I think, you know, he has embodied through, you know, throughout his career. And we've seen that on a, on a tennis court, given the, the matches than the, the, the exertions that he's put, he's put his body through and, and won. Um, you'd, you'd feel like if he was showing that kind of philosophy, you know, he would have said, right, I've tested positive. I'm going to go into isolation now and just rest up and take care of my body some more, not kind of go out and be Novak Djokovic, jazz hands. Doing interviews. Yes, ex- <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Take, you know, take care, take care of myself, you know, myself first. You know, that should have been the priority. Um, and, you know, it, it it obviously wasn't. And I just think there's a bit of a interesting kind of contrast there. I mean, I mean, interestingly, you know, Stefanos Sissipas has come out and, you know, said he's a player who, 
is playing by his own rules, which I thought was quite interesting. And, you know, I see Stefanos Tsitsipas, I think, tweets a lot and puts a lot of stuff out on social media that I just sort of glazes over. I glaze over. But, you know, when he when he's talked about the fact that, yeah, it does feel like Djokovic kind of plays by his own rules. I, I do sort of agree with him in the sense of it just comes across like, you know, one rule for me. And I'm just going to go and, and do what I want. Yeah, yeah. And that's sort of where we're at, at the moment. That's the impression I get. It, it sort of stinks a bit of, you know, arrogance and, and entitlement. And, um, and uh, you know, there's still quite a few unexplained things like, you know, and also this issue of him having, well, his, his agent who had filled out this form, uh, not declaring that he had actually been in two different countries in that the 14 days prior and you know Djokovic has said that's an administrative error but you know yeah is it yeah I know these things happen admin errors do happen but it just I don't know I think if you're gonna really dissect all these events there's there's too many unanswered questions for my liking and I think it's going to the, the sort of stink around it will continue throughout the tournament should he stay in. Kim, I did enjoy on the uh, the form that I saw got that got released on has been going around on social media. Um, it, Australia, I think, had Serbia and Montenegro still as one oh, really? country, still oh, as one dear. country. Which uh, I know you're a bit of a pub quiz. Yeah, I know you love a, a pub quiz. I I, I quite enjoyed. Uh, yeah, that's. I mean, that form must have been from a while ago. That is quite an old form. They've been separated <laughs> for quite a while now. I mean, I know that from when they started competing separately at Eurovision. So, I mean, Serbia won Eurovision in 2000 and, uh, oh gosh, 2007, I think it was. A while ago, yeah. And uh, they were definitely just Serbia then. So uh, <laughs> that is very out of date. Um, but there we go. I'm sure people haven't tuned in to uh, think about Serbia winning Eurovision. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we will, we'll see how it affects, you know, Novak with, in terms of his preparation and build-up, because this is not what you want to have in the run-up to a big Grand Slam, you know, all this sort of drama. And I don't know if it's going to fuel his fire or if it's going to be a big distraction. Um, you know, we, that will remain to be seen when he kicks off, you know, early next week. I mean, we'll get on to the draws in a little bit. Um, well, I mean, let's do the draws now. We've got other bits and pieces to talk about, including Andy Murray in, in Sydney. But let's do the draws now because obviously Novak at the moment is heading up the top of that draw. Um, he's got, I would say, quite an easy draw. You know, he opens against a fellow Serbian, Kekmanovic. So unfortunately, there won't be any sort of drama against, a, you know, a home hope or Nick Kyrgios or anything like that. Um, and if you look at the rest of his potential route through, you know, I think generally speaking, there's not really anyone who's going to trouble him until possibly a quarterfinal against Berrettini. But given their previous matches, I wouldn't have thought that was going to cause too much, um, too much hassle. Unless Novak is obviously very much affected by this ongoing situation. Yeah, I think the draw at the moment is probably the least of of Novak Djokovic's worries, and I think he'll be quite glad. I think when he sees on paper, you know, what his potential route could be um you know it doesn't feel like there's too many kind of challenges kind of uh, earlier on yes he could face Tommy Paul in the the second round who has had a pretty decent last kind of six months or so I think he's reached a couple of quarterfinals recently so you know apart from that side it should be should be relatively straightforward even for someone who's not played a lot of tennis 
um you know over your know, competitive tennis or on on the tennis court over the last you know few months even someone like you know Novak Djokovic we know you can just come come in and you should yeah without any sort of issues I think come through these uh earlier rounds and yeah it does feel like the the tail of the 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 top quarter is you know who's going to face Novak Djokovic from you know the the bottom half of that top quarter because there are a few names in there Kim because we've got Matteo Berrettini as you said got Carlos Alcaraz in there um Cam Norrie who's not had the best of starts I would say um you know at the ATP Cup you know, having seen him is also there. Seb Corders unseeded, Marton Fucevic, Fabio Fornini also unseeded. So there's quite a few players there that are, I think, have had good runs at Grand Slams in the past and could potentially, you know, spring a surprise. But certainly you'd think maybe Berrettini or Alcaraz, maybe the, the, the leading seeds in that, in that bottom bit with the potential to, yeah, face Djokovic in the in week two yeah I mean unfortunately for Cam Norrie he's got Seb Corder in the first round which I think is a pretty mm. nightmare draw I mean given Norrie's sort of Seb Corder should not be unseeded at Grand Slam just doesn't he's feel dangerous. right yeah, yeah dangerous and if, if Norrie had you know got a few wins at the ATP Cup I might have you know been a bit more confident but I just I can kind of see him crashing out unfortunately but hopefully Cam will prove me wrong I mean also in that section we've got you know, PCB, who has been known to defeat Novak Djokovic. Obviously, we had the Olympics last year uh, in that bronze medal match and then, you know, the infamous line judge uh, incident. But I mean, <laughs> I know so that's, you know, that's uh, that's not no against Novak on his, you know, his the, the court that he knows so well and has done extremely well on. So, um, I yeah, I would, I'm personally from this whole section, the match I would look forward to, I think the most, would be an Alcaraz-Berrettini what would that be third round? Um, I think that I could see Alcaraz beating Berrettini um, in that one. And that's the kind of standout match, I think, from this particular section at the moment, uh, as well as seeing how Norrie will get on against Calder. Mm. How are you, are you, are you feeling like Norrie could crash out in the first round against Calder? Yeah, I do Pot- think potentially, I think so. And also, I, I don't know if he would be feeling, you know, pressure and expectation now that he's, you know, the 12th seed and, since obviously the last slam he played, he's won Indian Wells and had a you know great run of form. But I, I I don't know if that would be like on his mind, thinking oh I've got to live up to you know my my seeding or my ranking. And it's just yeah, not not an easy first match. But having said that, um, you know, I I I hope that he would be able to handle Corda because after that he's got a decent draw to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting. And I'm, and just going back to Alcaraz Berrettini, I mean, that is not necessarily a done deal because Alcaraz could face Fucevic in the, the second round, which again, not, uh, not an easy opponent, I think, early on in a, in a Grand Slam. You know, he's definitely got, you know, previous upset experience at Grand Slam levels. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see, but certainly that top quarter. Yeah. You, you, you're looking at Novak Djokovic, regardless of, you know, preparation. He's, he should, be coming through this and yeah with with Berrettini and Alcaraz kind of fighting it out potentially to to face him in a quarterfinal the second quarter though um well I mean Zverev is actually the top seed in this quarter but you've also got Rafa and I think this one is a lot more jam-packed uh with with top names and I think actually Rafa's got a pretty tough draw uh considering he's still coming back you know from from injury and, and long recovery process you know he potentially would have a second round match with Kokinakis who's at the moment uh in his second straight semi-final um in Adelaide and obviously 
Australian fans will be right behind him. And I think I actually remember them playing in the second round when I was there in 2014. So long time ago. But, um, you know, if Rafa can get through the early rounds, he may have, you know, Hatchinov, Herkash, who I think, you know, could be very, very dangerous. And then, you know, potential quarterfinal with, with Zverev. And I mean, if it's not Zverev, you'd probably be looking at Shapovalov or I guess Apelka. But um, yeah, I, I think with Rafa, I, as a Rafa fan, I, I think that it would be, you know, literally a match at a time, see how you go, not think too far ahead, which you know, I don't think anyone should really do. <laughs> we probably shouldn't be doing it when we do these draw previews. But um, I think Zverev's draw is is all right. I can see him going deep without perhaps too many issues you know he seems to have got over that sort of initial slam kind of uh quagmire he found himself in so I can see him doing a decent you know definitely getting to the quarters Kim I mean just talking about Zerev we all know his record against top 10 players is abysmal is abysmal that is true (laughs) at grand slams I mean do you see this as the moment that he potentially could break his grand slam duck because he's been you know he looked pretty good i'd say um you know at the atp cup um you know i think his serve is his firing um you know he's keeping the double faults down he looks like he has so much time from the the back of the court when he's you know on the court so you know i think he's in a very very good place at the moment with draw like this i think yeah there is potential there for him to you know potentially go go all the way or certainly have the confidence and the belief I think to to do that I mean do you think this is an opportunity for him to uh, you know break his grand slam up or even just win a match against a top 10 player um yeah I think this would be potentially I, th- I mean look, looking at he wouldn't be facing a top 10 until he got to yeah the, the quarterfinal with possibly Rafa and I think Rafa you know this isn't historically his greatest tournament and he's still coming back and perhaps isn't going to be at the level that he needs to be. I mean, hopefully he can play himself into that level. But um, yeah, it's oh, it's hard. But I think, yeah, I think this could be the tournament. We've got the Battle of the Giants as well. I see Riley Opelka versus Kevin oh. Anderson. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to tune in for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to either of those players. Um, we've also got, I mean, Feliciano Lopez is in the top of that draw, yep. which is very yep. nice to see. Uh, still going strong. Um, but yeah, let's move on to the third quarter. Third quarter again, I mean... Sitzpass is heading this bit up, but I'm not convinced by Sitzpass at the moment. And I know he got to the semis here last year, beat Rafa in that quarterfinal from two sets down. But again, from this draw, from this quarter, this is where I've got like my rogue semi-finalist coming. And um, I mean, we've got the likes of Casper Ruud, Yannick Sinner. I mean, Andy, Andy Murray. Murray is, is yeah. in this section. I don't think he's going to get to the semi-finals, but <laughs> hey-ho. Um, I mean, even Grigor Dimitrov, who did make a semi here a few years ago, didn't he? Uh sort of fairly unexpectedly um I think you know Sitzpass's path is probably got a few obstacles in um question marks maybe about his his fitness as well yeah Yeah. I mean what do you make of this section and and Andy Murray's hopes as well yeah on on Sitzpass I think it's going to be a tall order I think for him to live up potentially to his seeding of number four and, and get to the semi-finals given what we've seen so far I do wonder about his his elbow you know he's had surgery over the offseason it doesn't feel like he's fully recovered and up and running from that I think he's still trying to feel his way back onto the court so yeah I do wonder whether um, you know he is sort of there potentially for an upset 
uh, early on. Um, as you said, he could face Grigor Dimitrov in the third round, uh, which could be quite a fun match. Um, Taylor Fritz and, and Bautista Agut also um, lurking around him as well. Um, yeah, I mean, just talking, yeah, I mean, let's talk about Andy Murray because he has got Nicolas Bachelasvili in the first round. Andy Murray there on a wild card into the Australian Open. He beat Bachelasvili this week, Kim, in Sydney. Um, it was a three-hour epic. I loved every minute of it. It was just a great match to watch. I think Bachelasvili, um, yes, I know he's got his critics for his kind of off, off-court um, persona, but on-court, you know, he can just fire winners from any point I feel like in the court and his racket speed is just, it's just unbelievable. It's just so, it's just like in a flash. Um, so I think that is a very tough match. Best of five. I know they faced each other at Wimbledon, uh, which, which Murray came through. So I know Murray's got the better of their some more recent meetings, but again, I don't think with Murray that he can kind of look forward too far. He's certainly going to have to take it one match at a time and, coming up against a player like Bashashvili, I think he's going to have to sort of wait for his moments. You know, he, I think is a player who at times can just play tennis where you just have to, you know, hold your hand up and say too good when he's, you know, firing winners across the court or, or down the line, but he certainly has those drops in play. Um, and I think Murray will want to make sure that he kind of capitalizes on those moments. And I think, you know, if you look at kind of the matches he's had so far this season, I think, I think it's fair to say that he hasn't necessarily always capitalised on the moments that he's created. Um, you know, I keep looking him at his breakpoint conversion uh, so far, which I feel like is an on-running theme with with Andy Murray uh, when he tries to break a, a, a you know from the return of serve. Um, it just um, it still feels very low to me. Feels like he needs to create loads and loads of opportunities potentially to kind of just take one or two. So um, I think he'll want to make sure that you know his He's ready to kind of seize those moments when he gets those openings and also make sure that he closes kind of sets out convincingly because there's been a few times, for example, in that Bastasvili match where he was, I think, 5-2 up in that first set, ended up losing it on a tie break. So, yeah, I think it's going to be another Murray rollercoaster and we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But I'm hoping, yeah, he can think, you know, this Grand Slam now more than all the ones we've had kind of previously in this comeback, I think is a a big opportunity kind of for him to you know potentially go as far as he you know has done you know since this since as i said in this comeback and yeah who knows maybe a, a Yannick Sinner Andy Murray third round is on the cards oh yeah that's what i saw immediately when i was looking through the draw i thought oh that would be very tasty indeed i mean my only concern is that and he's obviously, you know, done really well this week got to the semis so far in sydney he's playing uh, Riley Apelka you know very shortly uh overnight but um I don't know if perhaps that'll be too much tennis you know this is actually the first time he's won three matches in a row at tour level since when he won you know the Antwerp title in 2019 so I just sort of question if he's then going straight into a grand slam and playing five set tennis if that's too much for his body these days but I hopefully not hopefully the hip will hold up yeah we'll see and it's interesting to see he's also playing with a, a new racket um on on the court which is a little bit of a bigger head size from what I was hearing in in interview um I think his timing has been a little bit off with his old racket so that he's been able I think he wants maybe a little bit of a bigger sweet spot um in terms of that racket so I think he's still adjusting to playing with that racket and that's maybe why 
you know, he lost to Facundo. Maybe I'm just making excuses, Kim, but I feel like that's maybe why he lost to Facundo Bagnus in, you know, his, his first match of the season. So I still, yeah, I think there's still, you know, things he's working out with his, you know, with his game, with his equipment that, um, now I think he will gain a lot of confidence from Sydney. Um, you know, I, you know, I was reading about his ambitions around he wants to reach, I think, 50 tour titles and he's on 46 at the moment. And that's one of his, his big goals. And I think he was talking about, you know, his, big goals when it comes to Grand Sam, I think Grand Sam's is I think get into a position where people are like, Ooh, he couldn't, could he? Um, and you know, maybe this Australian open, maybe it will come too soon, but I'm hoping we'll have one of those, at least one of those moments over, over the coming season. Yeah. Well, that would be lovely. I mean, there's a genuine, <laughs> it, I mean, genuinely I could see him getting to the second week of a slam um, mm. again. And I mean, I think I mean, he's, he's had a be... lot of success at the Australian open in the mm. past. I mean, he's not won it, but He's probably the most, you know, he's, yeah, he's, he's what, four, five runner-ups uh, in finals? I think um, the most decorated yeah. finalist uh, yeah, at the Australian Open. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I mean, I think uh, Yannick Sinner third round is the blocking sort of point for me. But, you know, Sinner could fall early. Who knows? The jaws, jaws can change and open up, can't they? Um, I mean, let's talk about another Brit. Dan Evans, he's in the, the bottom section um, and he's having a great week as well in Sydney, also in the semi-finals. Got to play Karatsev um, in that semi. I mean, he hasn't lost a match yet this year, so he started out very well, but, you know, he actually... He's did... flying under the radar, Kim, I feel, at the moment. Yeah, All of I... this Novak Djokovic stuff in the UK, Andy Murray, I mean, Emma Raducanu as well, having not a great time of it. It's getting news coverage. Nothing is really being talked about how well Dan Evans has has started this season because in Sydney and the ATP Cup, it's just every time he steps on a court, he seems to win. Well, let's hope that maybe it stays that way because it's probably helping just not having so much attention. And, you know, Cam Norrie is the British number one as well. So perhaps he just feels like, oh, everyone will be thinking about how Norrie can do, like perhaps it slightly eases the pressure on him. Um, I mean, he did start out the season very well last year because he won that pre-AO um event I, I forget the name of what it was um so many different names there were because all the events happening at the same place but um and then he you know he fell in the first round which was quite frustrating at, at the AO because I think he then I don't know if that was when he said he'd like overplayed or like it, it perhaps not it's not ideal playing in you know the week immediately before so I just hope he hasn't expended too much energy before the AO he needs to take the Naomi Osaka approach to lead up tournaments I feel for Grand Slams is get to the semi-final and then just give an excuse and <laughs> move on to off the he uh, yeah off he goes to move off to the major I mean he's got David Goffan in the first round who uh retired against Andy Murray um in the in the quarterfinals in um in Sydney so again there's going to be an injury doubt there over Goffan he might not even make the I'm not even sure what his status is he might not even make the main draw maybe it might be he, he had to has to drop out for a, a lucky loser to come in I don't know but it feels like looking at the draw Dan Evans has got I mean there is there is potential for him there you know to to make to make inroads I think you know he could come up it doesn't feel like there's anything too crazy I mean maybe Popper in second round could be quite tough but you know Felix Auger Aliasim third round that Again, it could be potential, I think, upset territory, um, given the way that, that Dan Evans has been playing at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it could be Rindernex second round because Rindernex got to the semis in Adelaide. He's mm. doing quite well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. I think um, Felix would be 
the possible again like the, the point at which Dan can go no further in, in the third round um, I'd, I'd really like to see what Felix can do as well um Rublev's right at the top of this section but I'm not really convinced where how far Rublev's gonna go I mean having said that he's got a pretty all right draw could have Chilich though in in the third round Chilich has been lumped in with all the qualifiers so we don't know who they will be as of yet could be Liam Brody he's got one more match to go uh he's in the final round of qualies but has got Roman Safulin. It could be Salvatore Caruso as well. Well, it could well be, yeah. <laughs> if he comes through Taro Dan, you know, Japanese behemoth ja- Taro Daniel in the final <laughs> qualifying round, yeah. All eyes on Caruso. I mean, also <laughs> in this section of the draw, you've got Maxine Cressy, you know, recent finalist uh, and Sir Volley Purveyor. Uh, he's got Isner in the first round, so that's going to be a intriguing matchup. That is going to be a Marmite match for the think, for the I ages, think so. isn't it? Yeah. I think uh, there, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. There's going to be some people who are going to absolutely love that. Some people are absolutely going to hate that. I think. Yeah, it could be a very much of a, a throwback to yeah, just who can who can rush the net the quickest. And also a match that I think is bound to go five sets is Bottich van der Zandschulp against Jan Leonard Struth. I just <laughs> feel that that's the five setter written all over it. Or perhaps Alex Bolt against Davidovich Fakina. Um, I feel like Alex Bolt gets involved in quite a lot of five setters in Australia. But um, Daniel Medvedev's right down at the bottom as the second seed. Um, not too much focus on him. He's just sort of getting on with things, uh, which is probably the best for him he may have Kyrgios in the second round if Kyrgios is recovered from Covid by then uh possibly a third round with Umber I think you know he's got a, like a few sort of tough encounters in that in that section of the draw but I think given his recent hardcore uh slam form I would I would be confident that Medvedev would make it through to the final um I think you know he might have some entertaining matches on the way if that match between Medvedev and Kyrgios does happen in the second round, I think that would be a stern uh, examination of of him. But as I said, again, he's been one of these players. I think ATP Cup has showed he's in a very good groove at the moment, and again, could be an opportunity for him to get to the you know the Australian Open twenty twenty two final. Doesn't feel like there's too many dangerous players in. You know, his quarter, I mean, yes, Rublev is the other sort of highest seed at number five. But, you know, it feels like, yes, I feel like Medvedev's sort of got Rublev's number a little bit in their in their head to head. But yeah, they, it could it could be a moment, I feel, potentially for Felix Ojeda-Aliassime to to break out from the, the shackles of, um, you know, not really having done a lot, I think, at, at Grand Sam's and perhaps even, you know, under underperformed it at Grand Sam's. You know, we saw Denis Shapovalov have his sort of breakout moment at, you know, Wimbledon last year. They both came together for their, you know, uh, surprise ATP Cup victory. So he's a player who's probably going to be playing with lots and lots of confidence at the moment. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, in this quarter for me, alongside that Medvedev, Curious potential round two. I'm hopefully excited for a Evans FAA round three because I think that could be a meeting of, of two players playing full of with, with full of confidence. Mm, absolutely. So Joel, uh, now is the time to make some predictions. <laughs> uh, I mean, I have gone quite conservative, I think, with my predictions, and I okay. obviously these are dependent on certain Mr Djokovic playing or not uh, which I still think he probably will and I still think he's going to end up winning it so I've um, well I'll do my semis first I've gone for Djokovic against Zverev 
Sorry, Rafa. Sorry, Rafa fans. Ooh, um, okay. I obviously love for that fight. What I, is going? I would what, absolutely Kim? love. Am I that... hearing that right? Am I hearing that right? Rafa fan Kim not putting Rafa in the semi-final against Jock. What is going on there? We, are we well, did one, I hear that right? One has to be pragmatic, but. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I um, would love Djokovic versus Zverev to not be a thing. I don't really want either of those players to get there um, for various reasons. I'm sure listeners can understand. But um, in the second semi-final, I've gone for Sinner as my rogue semi-finalist. Um, and I've gone for Medvedev. And uh, I have gone for a Djokovic-Medvedev final with, I guess, Djokovic winning. Because I feel like if he's gone all the way to get to the final, he's probably not bothered by recent events and he'll he'll do his stuff. So you're thinking a bit of a rematch from US from the Open US final. and mm. a rematch of this year of this final last year as well. Yeah, oh, of course, yes, mm. yes. That was a disappointing final last year. Yeah, yeah. So so disappointed. I actually forgot about it. But yes, thanks for thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> um, yeah. So I mean, in terms of my predictions, I have gone classic Novak Djokovic v Rafael Nadal semi final, assuming. Assuming, Assuming people to... can cope with that. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know if Rafa fans could cope with that after the French Open last year. <laughs> yeah, I, I've got that as my semi-final. I think Rafa would come, if, if, I think he would come through that quarter with, with Zverev. Um, I was, I was really impressed with the way he played last week and just kind of walked through to, to win, um, the title in, in Melbourne last week. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have a Rafa Novak semi-final in the top half and then i've got medvedev um versus casper rude uh from my third quarter um just think again another player who i've been sort of interested by over the last you know he had his breakout season last season i think he's got a very nice part of the draw that i think he can ease himself into um he is in that bit with potentially yannick sinner um potentially along the way Andy Murray is there but yeah I can see Rude potentially kind of coming through I just feel like this quarter is wide open because of yeah the sort of injury concerns around Sissipas at the moment and the fact that there's a few dangerous candidates so yeah I've just kind of plonked for for Casper Rude um and then I've got as my final uh no similar to you Novak versus Medvedev I think it's going to be a rematch to the US Open and I think I've got to go, I think i got to go Novak Djokovic for just getting his own back on, on Daniel Medvedev for that US Open final. Um, you know, stopping him winning the, uh, the career, well, the season, the season slam, the Joker slam. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm just going to go Novak Djokovic, even though at the moment it just feels, uh, it just, that just feels such a world away, doesn't it? From the situation we're in. I'm sure we'll be allowed to pick again should things change <laughs> over the weekend. Yeah, I yeah, also... we should we should do a big fat asterisk next to our predictions and and we'll we'll give some more predictions if uh if that is if that's not able to be the case perhaps in our uh in our round one catch up. And I'm sure both Casper Ruud and Yannick Sinner will be pleased that they are the ones we've, <laughs> we've plonked for um from that from that third section as well. And Sitzpass will probably prove us wrong. But um on that note, let's take a quick break. Uh, but we'll be back in the second half having a look at the women's draw as well as announcing our collector set player picks. So do not go anywhere. <laughs> Thank you. 
Welcome back to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to move on to looking at the women's draw for the Australian Open, which is uh, obviously headlined by the world number one at the top, home favourite, Ash Barty. Um, she, I think, has got a pretty tough draw, actually, Joel. Um, I'm sure she would not be pleased that Naomi Osaka is her potential... Uh, well, is that going to be a fourth round? Fourth round. Yeah, that's, that's, that's too early to face the defending What is going champion. on there? What is going on? <laughs> I'm almost offended as a fan that that is a fourth round matchup. It, it it gives me, do you know what? It actually gives me very much like Naomi Osaka, Garbina Muguruza vibes from the fourth round last season where on reflection, both of those players were playing tennis at a level you could have said, yeah, that would that would win you the you know the late the ladies Australian Open, and I think if that if that does happen, and I think lots of fans would be looking forward to that one. It could be a similar situation in terms of how close it is. Um, you know, who comes out of on top potentially goes and on and sorry goes on and wins the whole thing. I was just looking on Jabor at Kim in the draw. And I was like, goes ons to win <laughs> uh, the Australian Open, yeah. Well, I think she uh, retired uh, from mm. her match today, so hopefully she's okay to compete. But um, yeah, I think Ash Barty, you know, yeah, as we said, potential fourth round with Osaka. I mean, Osaka may not get there. She no. may have like Benchich. I mean, Benchich, Benchich yeah. got a terrible record against Benchich. Um, so, but you've I, yeah. also got an, an, an Anisimova. Got that's sometimes a bit of a mouthful to say. Anisimova in this section, um, which you know, in in terms of her recent win uh, in Melbourne. In the, in the warm-up event now working with Cahill I don't know I don't know what to expect she could go on a bit of a run she she is sort of the dark horse really from this this section of the draw I mean down at the bottom I think the one player that I would be looking at is Kudermatova perhaps you know she's had some decent form coming into the tournament I, I'm not sure about Zachary I'm I don't know I'm not I'm not pretend, I'm not I don't know I'm not really I'm not convinced um, that Zachary, I think, yes, she had some great slams and results last year, but I, I don't know if, if um, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not, not I'm not feeling, feeling it. it. I'm not feeling it. I'm going with my gut. She's going <laughs> to prove me wrong uh, as I'm sure she will. But yeah, I think for this section, I've, I've had to pick basically between Barty and Osaka, which is quite tough. Um, but I, well, I will reveal Where later. Where are you going? Well, Where do you? going to leave that as a big surprise job okay um, okay (laughs) no I will I'm going to go Osaka I'm going with the fact that she seems to be back and feeling quite relaxed and much happier with herself and I know she pulled out of the warm-up but obviously that's that's kind of usual behavior for her so I feel that she's kind of had her break from tennis and is hopefully in a much better place and I think when she's in a good place she's very unbeatable yeah I mean we all know her record at hard court grand slams uh over the recent seasons it's pretty unstoppable but having said that i feel like if there's one person that could stop it it's probably ash barty uh in front of her home in front of a home crowd on rod Laver arena so yeah that is certainly one i'm looking forward to i mean moving on kim to the second quarter uh we have barbora krejcikova as the fourth seed paula bedosa is in there as the eighth seed you've got azarenka Svitolina, um, Sophia Kenin. Again, there's lots of, I feel, interesting players here who potentially, I'm not really sure who's going to end up out of this quarter as the, as, as the one in the, um, in the semifinals. I mean, just talking about Krachikova, she's in, I think she's playing this week at the moment. She's got Petkovic 
in the first round. I don't really know who to speak about because I just feel, again, the seedings here, I don't think they really matter in this part of the draw because I just think it could be anyone. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I've Instinctively, I feel like Krachikova, but then I just actually, you know, cause she's, she's done quite well this week, but hasn't really had to play, I would say, the highest calibre of opponents. So it's really hard to gauge. Um I mean, Sophia Kennan is still in there somehow as the 11th seed. I, I don't know how she's still that seeding, but she's got Madison Keys, which I fully expect Keys to Yeah, that's to a win great that first one. round matchup, it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is a great first round. Very interesting. But I think Keys would have the edge. Um, Svitolina, I'm not expecting anything from her. She's had an awful start to the season. Uh, Bedosa, Bedosa's doing well at the moment. Kim, I could arguably see Svitolina, Kenin and Bedosa all losing in the first round. I mean, Bedosa's got Tom Janovic, who I know she's not a, the greatest closer, but but I think, again, a, ver- a player who's just very dangerous and not really one you want to face. I mean, we all saw her give Halep you know, a run for her money um, uh, last season. And I think that's a tough test for Bedosa for Bedosa kind of first up and so yeah I think this draw is is very interesting and quite wide open I think Svitolina is gonna dare I say is probably yeah against Fiona Ferro who is quite a you know can be quite a feisty player on court I just think that is a gonna be a tough matchup you know when you're out of form and not really feeling it on a court I don't think you really want to come up against someone like a Fiona Ferro so who knows what that means for Svitolina and her chances at the, you know, the Australian Open. Um, I mean, you've also got Kim. I think Coco Goff's been playing quite well at the moment. I know she, I think, again, we sort of writ her off because she lost to Ash Party after being a set and a break up. But I think she's been playing some pretty good tennis since then. Um, and I wonder whether she could be that player who could potentially kind of come through and, you know, regardless of, of her seeding as number 18, I think, you know, maybe she could spring a surprise you know we've seen other teenagers do crazy things at, at grand slams recently like emma radicanu and i wonder if that's given inspiration to other people like you know other teenagers like coco goff to be like hey you know don't 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 forget about me and i think the, the way she's been playing from what i've seen anyway over the you know over the last week or so i think potentially she um yeah could be one to watch yeah she's like yeah, I was there first. I was the first teenager. <laughs> you were all talking about me a few seasons ago. Um, she's in the semi-finals in Adelaide. So is uh, Madison Keys and Bedosa and Krajikova are in the semis in Sydney. So they are all doing fairly well in the run-up. Azarenka? Can't forget about Azarenka. I mean, it's just like, as always, that the women's draw is um, so wide open. I mean, let's look at the next quarter down, the third quarter. I mean, top seeds here would be Muguruza and Annette Contevate, um, and they were the finalists at the WTA finals last season. So finished the end of the season with a lot of great form. Um, Muguruza lost today to Kazakina, which has sort of thrown my perception of what she could have done at the AO slightly off. Um, but perhaps the player we should be looking at in this section is Simona Halep, because she obviously won Melbourne, one of the Melbourne events last week. And seems a bit kind of rejuvenated. She she seems to be back, and I I don't know. She's never really done too well at this tournament, but I feel she's got actually a, a decent a decent draw until potentially Muguruza uh, in the fourth round. Um, I mean, Rybakina's been doing very well. Uh, she did pull out of that match uh, this week after she beat Raducanu, but I think hopefully that was just a preventative thing. 
So I, I'm cool. informed. I mean, she's informed. Contivate's yeah. doing well. Very tough section this is. Yeah, there's a lot of informed players. I think players who have shown great form like from a standing start, um, you know, this season, like Simona Hallett, but there's also players who I think are carrying on their form from last season, like Annette Contivate. And I think it'll be interesting to see how Contivate does um, as the sixth seed. You know, she broke in with that crazy streak at the end of last season into the top 10. So that's a position she's not been in before and, and she'll feel perhaps that she'll be under a little bit more pressure as, uh, you know, you know, a marked person, I think, in the tour is one of the, you know, one of the players who has been playing some seriously, seriously good ball over the last few months. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how she potentially handles that pressure. She could come up against Clara Torson um, in the second round, which I'd be quite interested to see. Um, another sort of youngster who um, who was making very good inroads, I felt, last season. I'd like to see that kind of match up. Um, talking of other youngsters, Kim, we've got Emma Raducanu as well in this section of the draw. And we've got a Grand Slam champion versus Grand Slam champion in first round, which I feel just happens naturally now in any in any sort of Grand Slam draw for the women's. We've got Sloane Stevens versus Emma Raducanu. I mean, what do you what do you make of that? Because I feel, I could be really harsh about Sloane Stevens, but it feels like you know with Raducanu that you know there are obviously people out there being like you know is she a one is she a one Slam wonder? You know she's already peaked, and you know that 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 brutal loss against Rybakina, you know, what love and won in her first match out, um, you know, will add credence to that. Yes, it, it wasn't pretty. I know she's had COVID recently um, and, you know, not had many practice hours on court. Um, but, you know, looking at someone so, like Stone Stevens on the other side of the net, you know, is that, dare I say, is that sort of looking a little bit potentially into what your future could be as a Grand Slam champion, unseeded, just you know dare i say i hate to say this about Sony stevens because i love love watching her play and when she's on she's really on but has she she's just sort of fallen back into kind of like a yelena ostapenko a little bit sort of i feel like making up the numbers dare i say in the the main draw it's a shame because i feel like at roland was it roland garros last year she mm, kind of yeah. got, went on a bit of a resurgence yeah, but it doesn't yeah. seem to have continued too much and i mean i i have sloan stevens down to win this match i mm, okay. i think if radicano had lost a bit more narrowly uh in sydney <laughs> i would have felt a bit more confident. Kim, i would have just taken a loss by like a single break to be yeah. honest six four six three but the, <laughs> yeah. the, the nature of it i mean i know rebekin has been extremely um you know in in form lately she got to the final week before but i just oh didn't give me much confidence and i know you can't always read into to to losses and i mean hey uh was it Sophia Kennan got uh, double bageled yes, by course. Azarenka yes. prior to that French Open and then she made the final? Mm. So I guess you can't always read into things, but I, I think it will be a difficult year on, on tour for Emma. And I think, you know, there's going to be so much pressure and expectation on her this tournament, um, which I think, you know, is natural. But also, I, I mean, is it, would anyone expect her to suddenly win two slams in a row? I don't think so. So I hope she doesn't take it too too personally like too much on board yeah I think I think what I would say is you know watching some of the highlights of of her match against Rybakina it was good to see her in high spirits you know I think a lot of players would be quite despondent if they were you know losing uh you know by that scoreline um you know being really frustrated but you know she was sort of taking it in a stride kind of smiling to the crowd when I think she won her her single game so you know I think she's still got that obviously that 
that positive outlook, which I think is really important. But again, it's going to be a very steep learning curve, you know, this season. And I just think a lot of these players are just going to have that extra motivation now to beat her because, you know, like Sloane Stevens, I get, you know, she, she now is a Grand Slam champion and, um, you know, players will want on their resume, I've beaten a Grand Slam champion. Um, and it feels like Radicanu is sort of, you know, there for the taking maybe a little bit at the moment, given the fact that she, you know, not, not by any sort of design of her own, but by the fact that, you know, she's not had, I think, an ideal, you know, set up around getting COVID, um, you know, getting a new coach as well, which is probably still being gelled in. Um, it's going to, it's going to take time. Um, and I think people, she needs to be afforded that. I think she's deserved, deserved to have that, but whether that happens in reality, I think is a, another question. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this is a very difficult section of the draw again to to predict. Um, not going to go for Radicanu. Sorry. Um, I would love her to, to come through and, you know, to meet, you know, Halep in the third round, for example. But sadly, I don't think that's going to occur. I mean, let's just quickly look at the very bottom of the draw as well, Joel, because obviously Sabalenka's down at the bottom end as the second seed. She's had a bad start to the year. She lost, oh. I think, to Rebecca Peterson um, in this it most recent event. So I, oh, yeah, I, I really don't know what to expect with Sabalenka. Um, she could suddenly turn it around and perform, but based on what we've seen so far, she's not in the best of, of places. Sviontek, on the other hand, as his other kind of top seed of this section, has had a pretty decent start. I mean, she lost to Barty in uh, Adelaide, but you know, has been playing playing fairly fairly well to start the season off. And we know she's capable of going deep at a slam. So um yeah, again though, I'm not I'm not convinced. <laughs> I mean Kasakina, she's in the semis of uh Sydney and just beat Muguruza today. Uh Leila Fernandez, US open finalist, you know, could she go through with a bit yeah. less pressure Kvitova. on her than Radakani? Kvitova Kerber. I mean Pavlichenkova, obviously Grand Slam finalist last season as well. It's, Caroline um, Garcia, I notice, in this part of the draw as well, Kim. Uh, and has well, got a qualifier. Has got a qualifier in the first round. I mean, that is... For Caroline Garcia, that is... Uh... <laughs> I mean, Caroline Garcia actually obviously beat... Uh, well, Rybakina was due to play her, and Rybakina, I think, with, <laughs> withdrew this week. So Caroline Garcia actually got to like the quarterfinals of a tournament. I know. For the first time shock. in a while. <laughs> Bless. I mean, I mean, Kim, just, just, just on Sabalenka... You know, she, um, again, I think like Svitolina has not had a great start to the season. And it seems to be, I, it, I mean, I mean, there were tears in her eyes. It was quite painful to watch her on the court. Uh, she just could not, she was not able to do, to serve. Uh, she's just, she just lost or she just like, it just felt like she forgot how to serve over the, you know, over the off season. Um, you know, she was putting in underarm serves that were just getting, belted back and it wasn't pretty at all and I think I think it it tells me that regardless of who her opponent is I think Sabalenka at the moment could just you know beat her like beat herself um and she's got kind of Storm Sanders in the in the first round too and I saw a little bit of at the the Billie Jean King Cup finals in person um yeah, that could be that could be, I think, a, an interesting one, and I think Sabalenka's going to have to find her serve pretty quickly um, if she's going to mount a serious case to uh, to potentially get to the final, the the Australian Open, or, or maybe win it. But it, that feels very, very far away at the moment, given you know her, you know what she's shown us. So 
it could open up an opportunity very much so i think at this this bottom half for someone like a I mean, Angelique Kerber's in there. Yeah, I don't know. It could. It just feels like it could be. Could even be someone unseeded. I'm not sure. Um, but it doesn't feel like Sabalenka maybe will get to the semis because of you know what we've seen so far. It could be Ludmilla Samsonova. I mean, or mm. Anne Lee. I've, honestly, I, we have seen so many different uh, Grand Slam semi finalists on the women's mm. side in the last you know however many years. So. It's it's incredibly difficult to predict. I mean, let's try and do some predictions, though, Joel. <laughs> I mean, I personally, I I've gone for two players right that I think I predicted at Wimbledon last year, and neither of them did anything. And um, I think I even had one of them to win Wimbledon, which just seems absolutely bizarre now. Um, so I've gone for semi-finals. Uh, I've gone for Asaka versus Krachikova. Um, and I've gone for Rybakina versus Kazakina. Uh, and they're the two players I think I predicted before. And I, I don't even know really why I'm predicting them again. I'm purely basing it on kind of recent form and getting to, you know, finals and semis of tournaments, basically. Interesting. interesting. And who have you got? Who have you got kind of getting to the final? Uh, I've gone for Osaka and Rybakina with Osaka winning. So I've I've got I'm going for both defending champions to defend their titles. Um, I think yeah. Rybakina is playing a scary brand of tennis at the moment. I think the question for me is whether she can keep it up. I think she's yeah been playing. I think she's showed me the best some of the best tennis outside perhaps Ash Barty on on the tennis court so far in the WTA tour so if she can keep her body together um and hoping yeah that retirement was well that sorry that withdrawals just a kind of precaution but um yeah it could be her breakout tournament I mean in terms of where I have gone in terms of my kind of semi-finals um I have gone Ash Barty uh, versus Coco Goff. I think Ash Barty, if that matchup does happen against Naomi Osaka, I think she will come. She will come through it. I just feel like she's got too many tricks of the trade to know how to deal with kind of Naomi Osaka and and move her around the court. Where I think that's where you can sort of I think exploit a little bit of Naomi Osaka in in terms of her movement potentially. So I'm going Ash Barty, uh, uh, yeah, and and Coco Goff. I just think yeah, she, again. She's been playing some very good tennis at the moment. I think she got rid off early because she had that loss early on to to Ash Barty. Um, so in in the seasons, but I I expect her to come roaring back. So got Barty Goff semi final, um, and then in the bottom half, I've got Simona Halep versus Iga Swiatek. Um, again, I think Simona Halep uh, is going to bounce back. She think um, she's had the best preparation possible. And I think she's in a really nice quarter where, again, I think she's going to just be able to kind of come through it. I, you know, she might face Garbina Muguruza in the fourth round, but I, I just think that she's got a lot of experience and she knows, she knows what she's doing. And I think she's going to roar back up the rankings. So I've got, I've got, uh, yeah, Halep and then Sviontek, I think coming through that fourth quarter. I just can't see Sabalenka kind of living up to her billing. And I think Sviontek is in the place to kind of, make the most of that um make the most of that opportunity um and then i've got my final as a simona hallett versus ash barty which i think could be a could be a classic if that if that materializes so are you gonna go for barty in front of a home crowd Ooh. or are we going for hallett to get her third slam i'm gonna go simona hallett oh, oh. i know uh i don't know why i'm smart i'm smiling uh whilst i'm saying that 
because I'm just so excited that whether the, whether that does happen but yeah I think I think it'll be a very fast that would be a very fascinating matchup um but yeah I'd, I'd maybe give Simona Hallett the slight edge yeah I mean I think I I would be smiling at the thought of that as well because I think <laughs> she's so well liked is Hallett and I think everyone would be quite pleased to to see that and, and also Barty like they're both very uh lovable players so um okay you've gone Hallett I've gone Osaka uh what does everyone else think? Listeners, let us know who you think is going to win. I mean, Joel, I'm just putting this out there. Can you imagine if lightning struck twice and Harriet Dart qualified for the Australian Open and then went on and did a Radicanu and, and <laughs> won the tournament? Because we, we do still have two other Brits that may be in the draw. Harriet Dart, she's got Kimberly Birrell uh, in the last round of qualies. Liam Brody has Roman Safulin in the last round of qualies. So let's hope they can join our other Brits uh, in the draw. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think Harriet Dart is going to suddenly win a Grand Slam, but you never know. <laughs> Great effort, though, by, by both of them to get to the, the final qualifying, qualifying round. I mean, Liam Brady had a very decent win against the American JJ Wolf, uh, who used to have a mullet. I don't think he has a mullet anymore. Um, but again, very, very decent win, 6-4 in the third. And yeah, for Harriet Dart as well, you know, a player who is sort of in that sort of qualifying, always trying to qualify for Grand Sam's kind of state. And I think she'll want to get to a point where, like a Heather Watson, she can... She can be in the first round main, main draw and direct entry. And I think she's got the, the ability to do that. So it's nice to see her, um, coming through qualifying. Yeah. And I hope she can, hope she can do the business against the, the local, the local Aussie just for, just for a bit of pride. Cause I know that they've sort of taken a thrashing to us in the, uh, in the cricket. Well, quite. Yeah. We didn't do so well in the ashes, did we? So she's got to get her revenge. And that does bring us on, Joel, to our final agenda item uh, for today, which is which is collector set and the announcement of this year's and this edition's uh, entries. So, for anyone who hasn't played collector set before, it's our Grand Slam predictions challenge where you have to predict the outcomes of three male players and three female players in the Australian Open twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. I was going to say twenty twenty one then. Um, and you have to tell us what round do you think these players are going to reach? And if you think they're going to win, tell us if you think they're going to win. Um, so we've come up with three uh, suggestions and we've had three of our crowdfunders giving their suggestions for this edition of Collector Set. So I think without further ado, we should announce who they are, Joel. Yes. So we do have three picks from our crowdfunding uh, campaign from this season so very much very big thank you to these people who donated to our 2022 crowdfund and as a result as one of their rewards uh, they do get a crowdfund pick so let's start with interestingly our our three uh, crowdfunder picks they all went with uh, ladies uh, in the in the women's draw so uh, we're going to go with our first one which is from Emily Staracina who her crowdfund pick was Victoria Azarenka. We also had Marco Hurtado uh, and his crowdfund pick was Iga Sviontek. And finally, we had Alexandra McClelland and her crowdfund pick, which was Simona Halep. I think that's a really good bunch of picks there. Mm. I think uh, some of them I was thinking of, of going for myself. Tasty. So I think 
good picks uh guys thank you very much for uh d- taking the time to do that and and for crowdfunding um we have obviously had to pick the three male players. So uh, we've gone for, well, I feel like we've gone a bit Spanish on this one, Joel. Perhaps, <laughs> perhaps this is uh, my Spanish bias coming out. But um, we've gone for Rafael Nadal, Carlos Alcaraz and Felix Auger-Aliassime. So Nadal, Alcaraz and FAA, along with Azarenka, Sviontek and Simona Halep. Do let us know. Um, by tweeting us, Facebooking us, sending us a message on Instagram, emailing us um, how well you think these players are going to do, what round you think specifically they are going to reach. And if you think they're going to get to the final, do tell us if you think they're going to win or be the runner-up. And of course, the winner will be the one who gets the the most picks correct. And if you do win, you get a very special prize. You get a passing shot mug Kim will mail it out to you. It's a limited edition mug with our with our logo on it. Um and you also get your name on our website as well. So there is big there are big there are big item big ticket items at stake here if you if you win a collect set. We will play along as well. Um we are going to announce our own collector set predictions uh, in our round 1 catch up. So we're going to be playing along. So um, yeah, just make sure you get your your answers in uh, before the first ball is hit on Monday uh, is all we ask. And as Kim said, you can do that on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. Um, just let us know and you'll be in with a chance of winning a passing shot mug. And we will be back, uh, I think, Tuesday evening UK time to round up the first round of the Australian Open and any subsequent news that comes out between now and then, uh, which I'm sure everyone knows what I'm alluding to. But um, we will see if there are any developments on that case. Uh, certainly an interesting time to follow to follow tennis, isn't it, Joel? <laughs> exactly. So, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed our Australian Open preview. Remember to subscribe to The Passing Shot to stay up to date on all the action at the Australian Open on whatever device you listen to us on. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media and contact us uh, via social media or email uh, on the following uh, handles. We are on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. Or you can email us on PassingShotPod at gmail.com. And you can also check out our website www.thepassingshot.co.uk. So we will be back next time for our round one, round by round catch up at the Australian Open probably on Tuesday evening. So look out for that. Uh, We will be chatting from Passing Shot HQ as always. But I hope in the meantime, you're all safe and well wherever you are. And uh, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. 
Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.